So, maybe you're thinking about making some big changes or setting some ambitious goals for yourself. Maybe you want to lose 20 pounds or read through the Bible. Maybe you want to run a marathon or repair a broken relationship. Whatever your big goal is, the temptation is to expect to go straight from here to here, or from here to here. The reality is, there are a lot of small steps between big decisions and big results. Challenges and obstacles await. At some point, you might even want to quit. But stand firm. Don't be disappointed with slow progress. Don't be overwhelmed by the destination. Rather, focus on what you can do today. Skip dessert. Read a chapter. Go for a run. Make a phone call. The more difficult the journey, the more rewarding the destination. And it can all start today with just one small step. Well, good morning. Welcome to 2013. No doubt a lot of you are looking at a new year thinking, I'm going to get it done this year. Anybody? Well, that's some good advice about how to get it done is just taking one little step at a time. When I look at this coming year and the life of our church, I'm really excited about things that are going to happen. You know, there's defining moments in the life of any, any church, but our church in particular, when I look back over the past almost nine years since we began, some defining years that we can look back and say, well, that year, some big stuff happened. In 2005, God delivered our church in ways we never thought possible. In 2008, we said, hey, let's be a church that has more than one location. Let's go up to Wakefield and and put a church, another location in that movie theater. And many of you are part of our church because of that day in the movie theater when we started LifePoint in Wakefield, just right up the street. And then 2011, big year, big defining moment. It was the year that that we moved from that theater to here and part of us from another theater to here. And, and God opened up a door through the wisdom of some other leaders at another church. And we were given a building and uh, down on Western Boulevard. And that became our West location. And another big thing that happened in 2011 is we acquired that land and warehouse that's just down the street on Durant Road. And if you're here for the first time, and people today were here that came because of that sign. Now, we put it up last January and it said coming this year. Uh, and it's still correct. It was correct then and it's correct now. But this is the year. When, on January 1st, I started to think the sign is now correct. If it's not correct, as I let a lot of people know, you're going to see a side of Donnie that you've never seen before. Okay? Some of you are if, if, if that's not correct. But it is. And, and here's, here's what I can tell you about the update on our building. We today, as of today, we are one week closer to being able to move in there and that be the new place where we meet. Every, every week I tell the setup team, great job, guys. We are one week closer. Well, when you look at a new year, there's really a couple things people do. One is you look at the year and you say, I want to make resolutions. I want to do some different things. I want to act different. I want to start or stop something. And, and this is the year because the world didn't end on December 21st, like people feared when the Mayan calendar reset. It didn't end when our calendar reset last week. So we're still here. And many people use this time as just a, an emotional time to say, okay, the calendar's starting over. So I'm going to start some new things. 
And I want to offer you the encouragement that 92% of you will fail. That's statistically true. Only 8% of the people who set goals achieve them. Because by Valentine's Day, that treadmill that you bought will be a nice clothes hanger. That gym membership will just be another 20 bucks a month for the next two years that you never actually use. And then there's another group of people who say, you know what? I used to try that resolution, that goal setting stuff. Forget it. I don't do that. Start of the year. I don't even talk about having resolutions. Well, let me encourage you by saying that if you do make resolutions and goals, You're the person that says, I'm not, I don't do this. I don't, I don't set those. Really, you do. Really, in your head, you do, right? You, you may say you don't, but inside, you do. Even though you don't write it down and you don't verbalize it, but it would help to write it down and to verbalize it. Now, we're going to do a little bit of audience participation, all right? We don't do this very often, so if you're here for the first time, don't freak out. We don't, we don't ask people to respond by, by yelling stuff out hardly ever, but this is one of those times. Now, I just want you, not your resolution, ones that your friends have, okay? I just want you to, to just yell out, and I'm going to put it up here on this board, just what are some of the resolutions that people have? Let's just hear them. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Budget. I heard budget. Man, I heard a bunch at one time. So budget, some people say, all right, this is the year. Got to do my budget. Wait. All right. Let's do four or five. What else? Sleep. Well, all right. Hope you succeed. All right. What? Better student. Yeah. Teenager says, I want to be a better student. Did you get that, mom and dad? All right. Better relationships. Good job. Okay. All right. Read the Bible. Very good. Okay. So we all have uh, something probably that we think, well, I would like to do this in the new year. I would like to achieve this or make this happen in my life. Well, I, I did a little searching and first found out that there's actually a, a place called University of Scranton. It does exist. I Googled that as well to make sure, but they have a journal of clinical psychology and every year they list the typical resolutions that people make. They listed the top 10. I found another place that listed the top 100 And I'm going to share some of those with you. So here they are. Well, number one, you already got this one. Lose weight. Big deal. People are thinking about that now. Get organized. It's another one. Spend less money. Save more. Enjoy the full life. Stay fit and healthy. Learn something new. Get better grades. Yep, you already got that one. Quit smoking. That would be awesome if everybody in the world would do that. Uh, Quit drinking. Um, Conquer an addiction. Get help. Help others more. Fall in love. Isn't that sweet? Some people are thinking, this is the year. I'm going to time it just right. And I'm falling in love this year. More time with family. Slow down. Better time management. Read through the Bible. That's a big one. Get in a small group. I've already heard somebody tell me that. 
show up at church more. And this I always use this opportunity in the year to let you know we meet weekly, okay? So next Sunday, right here, two times, we'll be here. So we're waiting on you. So if that's you, show up more. Simplify life and study harder. So there are a bunch of goals that either people in general have or that you said, hey, this is what we have. And if you, if you look at those, that kind of looks overwhelming because probably all of us could do a little better in each of those areas. Does that overwhelm anybody to think, oh man, if I'm going to be all I can be, then I got I to gotta really get to work. Because usually what happens, we make all the goals and then we give up on them not long afterwards. Now, these, these goals can be divided into several different categories. So I don't have to read through all of those. There's the health and fitness category where people say, hey, I want to I wanna shed some pounds. I want to get into a smaller size gene. I want to be able to walk up 10 steps without almost having a heart attack. I want to I take care of myself, my health, and my fitness. Some people say, this is the time of year I need to start focusing on my finances. I did all that spending during Christmas, but hey, today... January 1st, when that, when that calendar rolled over, many of you thought it's going to be different this year. Same way on the diet side, you probably thought we're going to eat all we can New Year's Eve, honey. Then, then on January 1st, the diet starts and we're going to get healthy. It's a fact that exercise equipment right now, it's, you get them on sale everywhere because everybody's buying them. People run out of treadmills. Exercise gear, gym memberships, it's all up at this time of year because people are thinking, this is it, I'm going to do it. So uh, health and fitness, finances, relationships, people start to say, well, this year is going to be different. I'm going to spend more time with my family. So many of these could be put under the category of relationships. Then spiritually, people say things like, I want to read the Bible. I want to feel closer to God. I want to get connected spiritually in ways I never have been before. And then there's another one people say that you could put under these categories of, hey, I want to be better at emotionally. I want to be better. I want to stop a bad habit or start doing something that's better for me. I want to focus on taking care of my emotional health. So all of those can be put under one of those five categories. But what happens? People say we we make our goals and we say this year's starting. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something fresh. I'm going to eat different. I'm going to spend different. I'm going to go to a small group this year. I'm going to take care of my emotional well-being. And we try really hard because we're the culture that's great at multitasking. We can do many things at one time. But then come about February, we just can't wait for spring break to get here. Or a summer vacation, come on, because I'm worn out, I'm tired. I don't even know where the Bible is that I said I was going to read through this year. So you find yourself saying things like, well, why try? Why even try? Because I've tried over and over again, and I still can't get things together physically and health-wise. I still can't get things together financially Relationally, I'm horrible, I mess up, and emotionally, I'm just a wreck inside. So why even try? And there's several reasons why we don't succeed when we set out to do some of the things you see listed on here. And one of those things would be that we just put too much on ourselves. Who could possibly achieve this? 
Who could possibly say, well, I'm going to stay fit. I'm going to be a better student. I'm going to spend more time with my family, save more money, learn something new, get better grades, get organized, enjoy a full life. And I'm going to read the Bible, have a great budget, quit drinking, quit smoking. I'm going to do all that. Who could possibly achieve that? And so what happens, we go into this, this year, thinking I'm going to do all these great things in a couple of months, in a few weeks, it's kind of gone and we don't do it anymore. And it's just kind of like, well, I'll give it another shot next year. And we give up. Another reason that we give up is we look at our past and we think, well, the the likelihood is I'm not going to be able to achieve this. So why would I even try? Well, today I want to share with you a couple of principles from scripture that will hopefully give you a new perspective about your resolutions or about goals that you set. Because if we're ever going to live the full life that's promised to us by God, we're going to have to understand and look at what we do in life a little bit differently. So because we live in a fast-paced culture, we live in a even a city that's that's faster-paced. We live in a, a really affluent, great area that's a great place to live. And so all of that that goes with that causes us to push and push and push and push ourselves until many people find themselves saying, I give up. I just can't do it. I haven't succeeded in the past. So why would I even try? If you're taking notes, write this down. If I'm ever going to move forward, I have to forget the past. See, if I'm going to move forward in any of these areas, I have to just forget that, hey, I failed at this. I made huge mistakes. Just to have to look back and forget it and not say, I tried and it didn't work, so I'm not going to try again. When I was a teenager, I grew up a lot around my grandfather, and he would say to me on a regular basis, boy, you have got a good forgettery. I was like, well, it took me a while to figure that out. I was like, oh, okay, that's not a compliment. I understand what you're trying he was telling me, you're really good, son, at forgetting things. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote some words in the New Testament that talks about forgetting things and how being good at that can help us achieve all that God has for us. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, if you're here for the first time, you'd like to have one. It's our gift to you. Just let the ushers know and they'll give you one. It's yours to keep. If you'd like to just use it, have a look at it during the service. As I'm reading from several scriptures in there, you can do that and just use it and leave it in the back on the way out. The scriptures are also displayed on the screen as I go through some things out of the New Testament today. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, the Apostle Paul wrote some words. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, he planted more churches than anybody else in the New Testament, and other than Jesus himself had more influence over the first century church than any other human being. And this is what he says. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And, and it's, it, I mean, it's hard to just forget and it, you can't erase your mind without some kind of serious medical treatment. But to just not focus on the past is what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. Don't be focused on the past. 
Because you can't live out what Christ has called you to do if you're constantly focusing on the past. The person who wrote this, Paul, had made sure Christians got arrested and executed, had persecuted the church, had spoken evil about Jesus. If anybody had a past to forget, he did. And and he was able to say, the way I receive what Christ has for me is I, I don't focus on the past, I focus on the future. And when you get that, that that's what Christ wants you to do, it'll revolutionize the way you view him, the way you view church, the way you view what God has for you. I remember, if you're here for the first time and your resolution was, I'm going to go to church this year and I'm going to start getting involved and getting connected, and you're not sure about a relationship with God, I know how you feel because there was a day I sat in a church building and I didn't know what this was all about. And I wasn't sure if I even cared. But then I started to figure out that what Jesus wants to do is erase my past so I can live a full life in the future that he has planned out for me. And once I figured that out, once that occurred to me, I was hooked. All I wanted to do was let other people in on the fact that, hey, no matter how bad your past is, no matter how bad you've messed up, Jesus will say, I'm going to forgive you of all that and let you have a whole new life. Today, after this service, we're having a baptism service. And baptism is just people coming that have accepted the message of Christ saying, I want to demonstrate outwardly what God has done in my life and this commitment I want to seal this commitment publicly that I made. And if the baptism service is a person standing in water, they're lowered into the water and raised. The Bible says they're raised to walk a new life. I baptized a guy one time. And when he came out of the water, just tears started to flow. And, and he couldn't talk. I couldn't even tell what he was trying to, to say. But when he got his composure, he said, the old me is in that water. The old me is gone. The old me is in the past. All the things I've done, all the hurts I've experienced and caused, they're gone. And when you get a hold of that, when you get a hold of, I'm going to forget the past. I'm not going to focus on the past. I'm going to give that to God. You will never be the same again. So in 2013, work on your forgettery. Work on being better at just forgetting and not focusing on the failures of the past. You can participate in the baptism service today if you want to. Just come and talk to me or Rob or Joel right after the service. We'll tell you how to do that. If you're not participating, just walk over there as soon as the service is over and witness people doing that. So what if, instead of trying to, instead of trying to take all of those and achieve them in the new year. What if you just took, you know, the categories they all fall under emotional, relational, spiritual, health and fitness and finance. What if you just said, okay, then since this is too much, this is overwhelming. It's really hard to do. I'm going to forget the past and the past failures, but how do I move forward? How am I able to move forward and take hold of what Christ has for me when I've got all this stuff to do and make better in my life and I've totally failed at it? 
well, what if you just picked one? As I was putting this message together, I was thinking, well, what, what, if, what if I just encouraged people on the first day to just pick one? This was originally just one message, one week about the one, and now it's three messages about the one, but come back next week and the week after, and you'll figure out why. What if I ask people, pick one of these, finances, health and fitness, spiritual relationships, or emotional, and just pick one and say, that's the one I'm going to focus on in 2013. So we all admit we can't do all of them, right? But could you do one? Well, maybe. And then I started to think that won't work. I can't ask people to do that. I can't encourage people to do that. That's not even practical. Well, for some of you it is because here's what would happen. If I say pick one, you're laying on the couch next week. And your wife says, honey, could you please help me with the kids or with the dishes or with the cleaning? And you're like, hey, the pastor said pick one. I chose emotional and I'm resting. I, I mean, he said one. I'm going to rest. I'm going to figure it out in 2013. So I'm just choosing one. So that won't work to just pick one of those and just focus on that. But what if I told you there is one thing that you can do that will help you achieve all those things. If those are all in your category. Is there one thing that you can do that would help you achieve all of that? That would help you stay focused on and live the promises of God? Would you write that down? Would you take it? Would you think about it? Would you memorize it? Would you give it a shot? Because it takes the focus on one thing to move forward. And when I focus on one thing, I will move forward. And I'm going to share with you what this, this one thing that we need to focus on is. 20 years ago, man, that sounds old to even say that. 20 years ago, well, a little more than 20 years ago, when I was in school, I hated accounting. You ever take a class you absolutely hate? Well, I took several of them. And, but one of them that I absolutely hated, could not even understand why I would ever need it, why I would ever want it, didn't enjoy one thing about it, didn't understand spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff, and thought, how would I ever use this? I'm not going to do this. And I hated it, and I was failing it. But I felt like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to take this class. Turns out, the little voice I heard saying you're supposed to take this class was really saying you're supposed to marry an accountant because that's what my wife is. So I just didn't hear correctly. So I'm in this class and I hated it and I just started to follow Christ and I became pretty good friends with the pastor of the church where I was going. It was a small church and so I had a lot of access. I could talk to him about any time I wanted and we met once a week and, and he just chose to mentor me and help me along. And one of the weeks when I was with him, I said, look, I'm really thinking about just quitting school here at this university and I'm just going to go to seminary. And he didn't think that was a good idea. And he had a lot of great reasons for that. But he said, why do you want to do that? And I said, because of accounting. Because I hate accounting. I'm, I mean, I'm like a week from the withdrawal period to get a W. And I, I want to get out of this class. And he shared something with me. I didn't know a lot of scripture at that time. And he opened up his Bible and he said, I want you to read this verse. And this verse has become... One of my life verses. And when after, well, after I share it, I think it will for you as well. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the Apostle Paul again reveals to us this one thing. Whatever you do, 
Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. So no matter where my focus is in any of these categories or in any one of these, if I shift my thinking from my achievement and what I can do over to, you know what, I'm doing this for God because of what Christ did for me. Not to make him love me. He loves me whether I get an F or a B or whatever. But what if I just change my perspective and shift my thinking that everything I do is because I'm doing it for God because of what Christ has done for me. Now, how does that change the way you approach health and fitness? Well, your body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit, who's in you, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So if I want to work at my body with all of my heart as if I'm working at it for the Lord, then that changes my perspective. Because most of the time when people say I want to get healthy, they want to fit into skinny jeans, right? Or they want to look, you know, buff so guys can wear a nice tight t-shirt and get a tattoo at 40 years old. So, you know, they look really cool, muscular. I mean, really, when we think about our bodies, we're thinking about what will please us or our spouse or hopefully people that we're trying to attract. But what if you shifted that thinking away from, I want to get healthy because I want to look great, to I want to get healthy and eat right and lose weight because I want to make this get all the mileage I can out of this body because this is the temple of God. And I'm going to, I am going to influence the world with the message of Christ as long as I possibly can. So I'm going to take care of this body. That changes your perspective. And that, it, it's hard to do. It's a struggle every time French fries are at a restaurant where I go. Every time people want to order pizza. It's really difficult. But when I think of it as this is God's body. And I'm obligated to take care of it. Changes things. So when you move to your the area of finances, the same thing. The Bible says you can't serve God and money at the same time. But what if you start to view your money, not as your money, but God's money? Then it changes everything about the way you spend money. And what if you started to view relationships? What if you started to view your marriage as something, a relationship on earth that's meant to reflect Christ and his church? That's meant to Reflect what unconditional love really is. What if you start to view your marriage that way? What if you start to view your children as little beings who have been entrusted to you by God? How does that change the way you invest in them? What if, what if you spiritually read through the Bible not to feel closer to God... But what if you just did it because you just want to know more about the one who created you? And you just want to know a little bit more about the character and the activity of who God is and how he interacts in the lives of people. Not just to achieve a goal and say, yep, read through the Bible again. Read through it again. Did it. it. I've done it five times. Want you to know. 
spiritually superior to you. You probably haven't. Changes everything when you think, I'm doing this for God. And your emotional health. What if you adjust your emotional health, the rest that you need, the the healing that you need? What if you viewed that as this is a way I can honor God is to just get better. So the one thing you need to focus on, it's not up there. It's in here. The one thing, and I want to read it one more time. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. So as you look at each of those five categories and you've all got things you want to change in those areas, how can I serve Christ better by serving him in each of those? Do you see how it makes it easier than it, it? It makes this start to look a lot less and like there's not all these things I got to achieve to make God love me or to do better or to make people like me better. But all of a sudden I start to think I'm doing this because God wants me to live a full life. God wants me to understand that his goal for me is to know that I'm forgiven, that I don't have to focus on the past. And when I focus on this one thing that's revealed in Colossians 3, that I take all of my heart and put it into everything that I do and say, God, this is for you. So if you do this one thing, watch what happens. Watch how it changes relationally, physically, financially. Watch how it starts to change your life. And the same way I moved from being an accounting hater with an F, somehow I moved to being an accounting tolerator with a B. And it all changed because I read one verse and did one thing. I don't want to challenge you to start 2013 doing one thing. And when you go out today, the the, uh, ushers have these little cards. It just says the one thing on the front and on the back, it's got the verse in Colossians that I just read. Make this your verse for the year. Memorize it, put it where you can see it and focus on this one thing. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truths that are revealed to us through scripture. And God, I pray that as we focus on this one thing in 2013, that all that we do, whether it's physically, emotionally, relationally, or, or financially, that we do it for you because of what you have done for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.